see all of you here this morning. Man, it's great to see every one of you. I'm telling you, I want you to open your Bibles this morning to Acts chapter 10. I know we're looking at Ephesians chapter 5 in our Ephesians series, but it's going to help us today to get all that we can out of Ephesians 5 to jump into Acts chapter 10 first. And I'm not going to waste any time. I want to get right into this this week. Um, our nation right now is in upheaval. It is going through some dark, dark times. Times when we would say, many of you, and I'll say a lot of things today that will make you feel uncomfortable. Many of you as whites would say, can't we just be past this now? I, I get that. I, I, I understand that sentiment because we don't live in the midst of that at times. And I'm just going to say it real quick because I have a lot of friends that will say that. Can't we just get over this? I, I want us to get over this. Everybody say, get over this. But it ain't going to happen if it doesn't happen in the house of God first. Come on, somebody. Okay? And the reason why I'm saying this is because I'm just going to be really open and really honest. My friend Marvin. Marvin, hey, wave your hand. That's Marvin. Marvin, we all love dearly. But here's the thing. My friend Marvin works often in an area that's very prejudiced. A community, I won't say which one, that's very prejudiced. And there's been many times where he has heard the N-word yelled out from a truck waving a confederate flag while he's working. There's times in his job where he's been asked, please don't come through the front door. But he knows other sales reps from other companies come through the front door, but he's asked to come back to the back stock, the lot behind, come in through the, come on somebody. And so yes, it's easy for us to say, can't we get over this? Yes, we can get over this, but we're going to get over it through the house of the Lord. We're going to get over it by being really open and really honest and um, a little bit <laughs> uncomfortable. Amen? And listen, not all prejudice is Anglo prejudice. Come on. Right? There's prejudice on both sides. I'm just wanting to declare from the beginning of today, not in this house. And the reason why is because of the gospel. The reason why is because of the grace effect that we've been looking at. When the gospel of Jesus comes, it is, everybody shout, good news. It's good news. Amen? It's called that for a reason. The reason why it's good news is because it is good because it invades dark spaces. And it invades broken spaces. Just in and of itself, to call the gospel good news means that there's some bad news. To, to, to say that Jesus comes to bring light means that there's some darkness. Amen? And we serve a Jesus that has come to reconcile. We serve a Jesus that has come down to tear down the walls of separation between people that we can be one man. And I love that. In Scripture where it says one man, the Greek word is kainos. And it doesn't mean uh, something of two things Coming together like something before. No, no, no. It's one man. It's like something this world has never seen before, period. It's a new kind. Kind knows. It's a new kind. Say kind knows. And in Jesus, he tears down the wall of separation. And the church becomes this living being that is a new thing. That this earth has never seen before. Why? Because we're the new man, in a sense. We're new in Jesus. We're the body of Christ. And we all know for history. It's hard. The body of Christ at times is divided come Sunday morning. I get that. And there's a lot of reasons. And there's a lot of questions. And there's a lot of stuff even beyond prejudice that makes that happen, right? 
All right, but today I want to look at this idea of the gospel coming to bring that good news that God brings us together. He reconciles. The gospel shines light onto brokenness. The gospel shines light onto mistrust. The gospel shines light onto anger and hate, and it heals fractured relationships, and it reconciles us to, the God's, to God's heart and to God's plan. That's what the gospel does. Yes, it saves, but it doesn't just save you to the littlest most. It saves us to the uttermost. Isn't that awesome? It even saves us, if we'll allow it, to those tendencies of, of prejudice, those tendencies of, 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 of just mistrust that at times we have. It, it saves us, whether you're Anglo, whether you're African-American, whether you're Latino, whether you're Asian. It saves us to the uttermost, making us one man. So this morning, we're going to talk openly and honestly about race. And I even hate saying it that way. Yesterday, or two days ago, I think it was, Auburn went to get her driver's license. And on it, it asked race and it had all these choices. And she, I swear, she looks over at me and she goes, Daddy, do I get to choose? <laughs> and it's like, no, <laughs> I guess not. Man, it's people, it's types of people. There's a human race, right? But I get what they're getting for. They should say types, types of people. I don't know what they should say. But still, she wanted to know if she could choose. I would like to choose. I would like to be a tall black man. Because black is thinning. I had a friend of mine years ago. He's about six foot four, African-American fella. And our choir that day all wore black. And, man, he looked good. He just looked good. This is in Ohio. And, um, and I told him, I said, Myron, you know what my problem is? It's not that I'm white. Or I said, it's not that I'm fat. It's that I'm white. I said, because black looks, look at, all, all, the whole choir looks good and thin. And all their, that's why we're black so much. Shut up. Okay. So, all right. But still, when it comes to it, as soon as I started talking about race, you started to feel some tension, right? Be honest. Yes, we do. You start to feel a little discomfort. Yes, we do. Can I tell you, throughout the course of the day, it's going to get worse. <laughs> You're like, Ross, I'm sitting next to a black person. Don't do this. Don't, please, don't do this to me, you know. And, and maybe you're an African-American looking at me like, you know, it's like, it's like um, you know, say something. Come on. <laughs> no. no, I'm kidding. No, we're all in this together. Say we're in this together. together. Amen, amen. So can we do this? Yes, this is where we should do this. Are we allowed to do this? Yes, this is where this should happen. This is exactly where we should be starting this conversation in our lives, right here in the house of God. The Bible even says judgment begins in the house of the Lord. This is the perfect place to judge our hearts and our motives and our past and our experiences. And, and some of those experiences are real. I get that. Some of those frustrations are warranted on both sides, and I get that. But this is the exact place for that judgment to begin in our hearts and in our church first. And so this morning I'm teaching on diversity and the beauty and strength that is present when churches strive to look more like heaven. Division between people types. It's not a new concept, y'all. It's, it's been a part of the human experience for a long time. Time and, and I'm not going to go back too far, but I'll just go back to my own personal experience. 
as a young man, I started to work at a church at 19 years old. No, I was 21. 21 when I started to work at this church. And when I went there the first Sunday, there's about 250 people, and I didn't see a single person of color, not one. Now, the town I grew up in didn't have hardly any Hispanics at all at the time, 30, 40 years ago. Um, at this time, 20-some years ago, you know, you had African Americans. We had probably about 15% African American in our population on a whole in our town of 55,000 people. But there was nobody represented in the church at all. None. Zilch. Nada. Okay. And so my first week or two in the office, I went to the pastor, and I said, Pastor, and I've never had a lot of, I just said, Pastor, where's all the black folks? And he's like, what do you mean? I'm like, I don't see a single person of color in the church. Where, I mean, are, are they allow, I mean they're allowed to be here, right? And, and, and had he said no, I would have turned in my resignation, you know, just like I did when I was a kid, and I was in a pool, and I looked around the pool one day as I talked to my friend through the, the chain leak fence. And Damien is, come on, Damien, come in here. You can go on my guest pass. Ross, man, I can't go in there. Yeah, you can, Damien. Come on in. We're like 12, 13 years old. Come on. I'm not allowed in there. What? Look around, Ross. Dang, that's a white group of people. <laughs> white and red, all the sunburns, you know. And so Damien instructed me that his kind weren't allowed in my pool. Are you kidding me? I, had it, I was born in 72. That would have been, what, 84? Really? In, in, in Mansfield, Ohio? Yeah. Yeah. And that was the last summer I had a membership. You know, that was it. Walked out, done. I'm done with the pool. I don't need this, you know. And so when it came down to it, I asked the pastor, and no, no, we just don't have anybody that comes, you know. And so I got on the phone, I called a friend, that big Myron, my buddy. I called him, hey, why don't you come to church, you know. And so he came, and next thing you know, he invited a friend, and next thing you know, they have more friends. And, and, and it wasn't too long before we started having a contingency. And it was beautiful, you know, five or six people. It wasn't a whole lot of people, but it was enough to where, praise the Lord, we're starting to have diversity. But guess what else we started to have with that? Problems. So when it comes down to it, I, I had asked, I knew the story of the church. I found out through asking people, and what the story of the church was this. They, they were in the city, and when um, white flight took place, they moved to the outskirts to get a nice piece of property. Yeah, okay, sure. Um, they moved to get away from the city, okay, is what happened. They moved to the outskirts. As they moved to the outskirts, a few years later, the neighborhood to the right of the, of the, um, of the church started to have a lot of African Americans move into it. By the time 30 years later comes, there is about 95% of the people that live in these 843 home units. And I say that because some were homes, some were apartments, and some were duplexes. And I know the number was 843 because I would walk and pray for every one of those houses. God, help us to touch people. Help us to change lives. Help us to be a part of this community. I didn't do that because that was just a black community. I did that because that was, that was the community to the east. How can you reach the world if you don't reach your Jerusalem? It was right there. I did it for two reasons, you know. Same reason why I've talked to every neighbor in our little neighborhood here, you know. And so long story short, um, we started doing different outreaches and different things. And, and it was more than just going in and doing stuff. It was building relationships and friendships. And we'd have block parties. And next thing you know, people start to know each other. And, and the church starts to get more and more people and the church starts to look more and more like heaven. And one day a man comes to me, and um, he says this to me. He says, um, um, I'm trying to, I don't know if I want to say it the whole way. I guess I'll just say it. Can we just be open? He goes, Ross, 
he said, I don't agree with you going in that neighborhood. Because I would go over and I would do kids. I'm not a kids pastor, but I knew that was a way to connect with adults and love on their kids. And so I would go and we'd do sidewalk Sunday school every Saturday through the summer. And we'd do big block parties. And I don't, believe, I don't agree with you going in that neighborhood. I said, why? He said, I'll tell you. He said, if you give kittens milk long enough, it won't be too long before you're overrun with cats. And what I said, I said, what in the hell does that mean? I'm sorry, all conservative folks in, the, in here, I'm sorry. But that's what I said. I said, what in the hell does that mean? And, and, and he's like, oh, you don't have to cuss at me. I'm, I'm not cussing. I'm saying that's coming from straight from the pits of hell. You are a racist, and that's coming straight from the devil, you know. And I told him, I was like, if you don't like it, it's going to get worse. You can find someplace else. You know, what's neat is his heart had changed through the years. He's still in that church, and God has changed that man's heart, which is a beautiful thing. But that's, that's where it started there, you know. It was really, really something. And so um, 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 the, <laughs> I've jumped ahead of my notes here. Um, there are people, let me say it this way, there are people who are racist, and there are people who are just ignorant. Okay. Now, if you're a racist, you are ignorant, but that's a different meaning, okay? <laughs> what I mean by ignorant, I mean you've been discipled wrong. Your experiences weren't intersected by a godly leader who began to disciple you correctly in your experiences, and you were, you've come to this place of prejudice because you were discipled wrong. You're, you're ignorant. You're uninformed. You're unaware. It's my job as your pastor to make you fully aware. Amen? And so in that man's story, I was trying to make him fully aware that the things you're saying out your mouth is completely from hell. It's, it's of the devil, you know? And so there was in that church outright prejudice. There was greeters I had at the door that if a black family came in, they would turn their back. Oh, now they were stocking stuff, and they were putting things over here, pencils. No, no, they would turn their back on the person of color that walked through the door because their church was changing, you know. Had a man that was a white man dating a black girl, and they dated a long time, and so they would come to church, come to church, and one day that, white, that black girl had broke up with the white man. The white man came in, and he had grown up in that church, and one of the door greeters, an older gentleman there, sees the young man and says, I'm glad that you finally broke up with that N-I-G-G-E-R girl overtly prejudiced. That's, that was the battle I had to fight when I first started it there. It was tough. Amen? And I'm going to fast forward that story really quick because what was beautiful is years later, we'd grown to about 200 people in our church that were African American. You know, nearly 20% of our church, we'd grown to 1,000 people. The church was the most diverse church in our community. Um, I, I, it was just an absolute beautiful expression of the heaven in that city. Um, if there was need for race issues, you know, we were the church that was called on. If, if there was the need for a white man to be at a black event, I was the token white guy. <laughs> and I loved it. I was honored for that in that community. You know, I loved being the token white guy, if you will, because it was making a, a difference in that city. But that man was on his deathbed. And I went down to see him in Columbus, Ohio, an hour from our church. And when I went to see him, he pulled me down, and he told me, he said, please tell Myron I'm sorry, and I was wrong. And he'll understand what I mean. And just tell him I'm sorry, and I was wrong. And then he said to me, he said, the people of color, the nurses in this, well, he, he said the black nurses in this 
hospital have taken care of me like nobody else. And please just tell Myron I was so wrong. I leave. Before I get home, my pager goes off, and it's the office. I'm almost home. I get to the church office, and my administrative assistant, she says, Pastor, this man has passed away. So en route from the hospital to home, in that hour time, he went to see his Jesus. And he didn't go to see his Jesus as a racist. Isn't that awesome? His heart had been changed. And why had his heart been changed? Because he was a racist, because he was discipled to be a racist. And when he started to have interactions face-to-face, say face-to-face, with real people, with real people that, that he has similarities and commonalities, and he started to realize over time in a church that had diversity that, that you know what, we are all God's children. He started to sense that and value that and appreciate that. And on his deathbed, he was able to embrace that fully, and he repented on his deathbed. Now, listen, I am thankful that Momentum Church has never been a place that is prejudiced. I really don't think it is. But let me say it this way. On the other hand, we have been passive in our pursuit and passion for diversity. Okay? Not prejudice, but just passive. You know, this is who we are, and you come, and, and I hope you like it. If you don't, well, God bless you. There's other places for you. Just passive. Openly prejudiced? No, I really, I dealt with that years ago. I don't see that in this house at all. I pray that's not my naivety, okay? I don't think it is. I think I know the, the shepherd knows the heart of his people. I think I know our heart collectively. But I do think that at times there's been passivity. And so I don't want to think, I don't, want, I don't think we have many races in this place, but we have been, all been ignorant at times in our understanding of what it takes to see the walls of separation come down between people types, and when I say ignorant, I mean unaware, uninformed, right? Maybe this, maybe unchallenged, okay? And so I, I just want to challenge this today. That's what I'm doing today. Because division between people types is not a new concept. This isn't something that just happened to me 23 years ago. It's not just something that happened in the civil rights movement. It's not just something. It's happened throughout centuries. Let's go to Acts chapter 10, and we'll see what has happened in the book of Acts chapter 10. And we'll see how the gospel and the grace effect that comes from embracing Jesus, how it tears down the wall of separation. In Acts chapter 10, we have a man in Caesarea. Let me get my Bible open here. You guys enjoying this? I'm sweating. Okay. <laughs> it says, at Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius. He was a centurion of what was known as the Italian cohort. A devout man who feared God with all his household, gave alms generously to the people, and he prayed continually to God. This is a man knocking. This is a man asking. This is a man saying, see me, value me. I, I want to rise up in the things that are of God spiritually. And I see this group of people, the Jewish people, and the God they serve. And I resonate with that, and I hunger for that. There, there's something that's keeping me away from, from that. And this man had a draw. The draw was the Holy Spirit drawing him to himself. But as we learned in Acts chapter 2, the first, second week of this series, when, when Steph preached, there was definitely a wall of separation between Gentile and Jew. Huge wall. And we're the insiders, you're the outsiders, we've got the goods, you don't, it's our God, not your God, and so on. So it may even be more extreme than most people's thoughts now. Most people now, it's just, well, you do that, and we'll do this, and everything's cool. But here, it was like, no, you're not cool, so get out of here, period. That's end of story. So this man, he begins to um, 
pray. And as he's praying, I love this, it says, Your prayers and your alms have ascended as a memorial before God. Your prayers and your alms. God heard his heart. His prayers were valued. His life means the same. And they're heard before God. And, and, and an angel came and told that man, Cornelius, that there's a man named Peter in Joppa, and that you need to go there and send some men. He sends two servants, and he sends a soldier to go get Peter because he's going to come. He has something to tell you from the Lord. And so now we pick up in verse 9. In verse 9, the next day as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the housetop about the sixth hour to pray. I love this because you can already see two divisions. You see the city of Caesarea, and you see Cornelius, the Gentile, you see Joppa, and you see Peter, the Jew, and it's all separated. But through these visions, can I say the word revelation? Come on. Through revelation, God is saying, no, 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 no. I'm drawing these two together. It's a season of revelation, that momentum church, amen? This, this hell that we're facing in our world right now, it's a season of revelation. If the church will rise up and receive it as such, Amen? And so God begins to speak the next day as they were on their journey. Peter went up on the housetop about the sixth hour to pray, and he became hungry, and he wanted something to eat. How many prayer makes you hungry? But while they were preparing it, he fell into a trance, and he saw the heavens open and something like a great sheet descending, being let down by its four corners upon the earth, and in it were all kinds of animals and reptiles and birds of the air. And so this, this sheet comes down full of animals, and in the midst of it, God speaks and tells Peter, rise, kill, and eat. And in the midst of that, Peter's just like, no, 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 I can't do that. Those animals are unclean. By no means I've ever eaten anything that is common. Never have I touched that with my mouth. But Peter said, by no means, Lord, for I've eaten, never eaten anything that's common or unclean. The voice came to him again a second time, what God has made clean, don't call common. And this happened, check this, three times, and the thing was taken up at once to heaven. When I read that this week, just in final preparation, the Lord gave me a, a thought. I love seeing Jesus in things, amen? And he, he weaves himself throughout all of the word. Do you realize this is a type and shadow of Jesus? I've never seen this before in my life. How many times did this vision come? Three times. How many days was Jesus in the grave? Three days. And three days later, he arose. This, listen to this. Check this out. This is, I believe, the resurrection of a new day. Up at this point, Jews and Jews only are believers in Jesus as far as feeling that acceptance and etc. from the church. And on this day, the resurrection of a new day, Jesus is getting ready to come into the lives of all these Gentiles the same way he did in the lives of the Jews. And then check this. I love this. This is why I believe it's a type and shadow. It says, the thing was taken up at once to heaven. Same thing it says about Jesus, that he was taken up at once into heaven. And guess what? All those things that are unclean, and I'm looking at about 180 of them right now, have been taken up in the great sheet, in the body, the flesh of Jesus, and in the person of Jesus, we are resurrected in him. Amen? That's a type and a shadow of your Jesus right there. And Jesus was showing, God was showing that to him, showing that to Peter, telling him to do this. And it happens three times. And, and so Peter begins to ponder the vision the Spirit said to him. And, and, and next thing you know, um, I'm, I'm trying to get ahead of myself here. Next thing you know, he ends up going to 
to the, the, the house of, of Cornelius. So he makes the travel. He follows the soldier and the two um, servants, and he makes his trip all the way to, um, um, to, to be with um, Cornelius in his home. And he gets there, and he says this to Cornelius. You yourselves know, this is verse 28, how unlawful it is for a Jew to associate with or to visit anyone of another nation. Now watch this. But God has shown me that I should not call any person common or unclean. Now, hold on. I think if you were talking with somebody now, can you imagine that, a white dude going into a black person's house? Look, here's how it is. I'm coming to talk to you. I really didn't want to, you know. But I'm not going to count you as uncommon and unclean, or as common and unclean. That would get you smacked. You know what I mean? I'm just saying, in that time, it was a little difficult, too. I mean, they, Cornelius could have taken that as an offense. I'm just going to tell all the people of color, if you're Latino, Asian, black, we, we don't understand your culture completely, and vice versa. There's things we're going to say that's stupid. Be patient with us. Amen? Okay? And if we're, we're trying and we say something dumb, educate us in love, you know? I posted a few a couple weeks ago about the whole all lives matter. I was, try, I was trying to make the point. This is probably six months ago or so. You know, all lives matter, you know? And, and I had a friend educate me on that. That, yeah, I, I get that, but right now there's a need for us to embrace the fact that black lives matter. I get that, you know. And I say that, and there's tension rising in the room. I get There's tons of freaking tension. I get that. Okay? But we're going to love past the tension. And this man comes in, and he says that, and it could have all went haywire right then. But it didn't. And so Cornelius goes back in and tells him the story of what happened. And then I love how it says, now therefore we are all here in the presence of God. So Cornelius recognizes God's here, you're here, we're all here and speak. And so Peter opens his mouth and he says, truly I understand that God shows no partiality, but in every nation anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. As for the word that he sent to Israel preaching good news of peace, remember that good news I told you from the beginning of this sermon, that good news of peace piercing the darkness, that good news of peace through Jesus Christ, he is Lord of, shout all. That's what it says. And then he begins to preach the good news of the gospel, talking about Christ and his death and his resurrection and their need of him. And, and here's what's so beautiful. Watch in verse 44. While Peter was still saying these things, he's preaching the gospel, the Holy Spirit fell on all, 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 all who heard the word. And the believers from among the circumcised who had come with Peter, the Jews, were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out even on the Gentiles. For they were hearing them speak in tongues and extolling God. And Peter declared, can anyone withhold water for baptizing these people who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? Why did they receive the Holy Spirit just as we have? Because the Bible says the promise is to your children and your children's children and to all who are far off. Everyone gets in. Amen. If you come to Jesus with repentance in your heart, you get in. If you seek him in, the Holy Spirit fills you and you become, everybody say, one body. body. Kainos, a new man, a new creature in Christ. This one body, the church, the body of Jesus. And so we see here in this passage of scripture, this was mind-blowing to them. Mind-blowing, you know, just as we have. And they had received that salvation. So here's what's beautiful. Check this out. Listen, listen. A face-to-face encounter with each other led to a face-to-face encounter with the presence of God. Is that neat? We're all here. 
Peter, preach. We're all here, and the presence of God is here. And then God showed up so powerful that people, I'm telling you, if you're preaching and people start speaking in tongues and getting full of the Holy Spirit, that's a good day. You know? That's a good day. You know? The presence of God showed up in a powerful, powerful way. Why? Because Peter allowed the wall of separation practically, that had already happened spiritually, but practically to take place. And he stepped out in faith, not understanding. He even put his foot in his mouth. I really believe he did. But in the midst of all of it, God had his way. Because there was people turned toward each other's hearts in that moment and turned toward the presence of God. And I'm just asking for that. The minorities that we have in this church, be patient with us. Those that are the majority in this church, the predominant cultures of this church, be patient with each other. You know, as we grow and learn and see the wall of separation come down. It's so important for us to go face to face. I believe the Lord has shown me a path to embrace diversity. And so I want us to open our Bibles to Ephesians. This is in our, 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 our book that we've been studying this month. And next week's our last in the study. Next week we're talking about Grace and war next week, it's going to be a neat, neat, neat. And I'm talking about personal warfare, spiritual battle that we face. We'll talk about that next week. But let's look here in Ephesians chapter 5. And this path to embrace diversity that just popped out to me. I'm just going to read down through a little bit. Verse 1, therefore be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us. And he gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Be imitators of God as beloved children. As, how do we imitate God? Walking like children. You know? It's so easy for children. Easy for children to believe. It's easy for children to love. It's just easy for them, isn't it, at times? And so I want to be those that imitate God by acting as a child. There's not division. Kids, you look at a playground, they don't care who. All they care about is if somebody took their toy. Okay, I'm going to get to that here in a second, okay? All right, so just, if I forget it, remind me. But if somebody took, takes their toy, they care about it. Then we get to disciple, and I'm going to talk about that here in a moment, okay? But, but, but here's the thing. I, not too long ago, Maverick was in the car with his brothers and, and the Ronas kids, or brother and the Ronas kids, and, um, and they did this. Jeremy, a friend of ours, um, Marvin's boy, was in the car with us, and I, I probably would have corrected it if I was in the car. Amy was in the car, and she's not as good a parent as I am. So... <laughs> I'm kidding. She's a great parent. So she's still parenting. I'm the sixth child. <laughs> and so, but, but, but some, they, Mac loves to play what's different between this and this. He just loves to play that game. So what's the difference between this car and this car? What's the difference between this and this? And it's just, uh, uh, it's, it's free. It's a great game. It's free. <laughs> I love it. And so one of the kids asked him, what's the difference between Lukey and Jeremy? And Mac, just as quick as could be, said, Luke has blonde hair and Jeremy has dark hair and no no what's the difference between and 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 Luke likes soccer or no no it was the other way Luke likes skateboards and Jeremy likes soccer and, and they asked three or four questions and it was thing after thing after thing but never settled in on oh Luke is really light and Jeremy's darker it was just not in the, the in the kid's mind because kids just don't think that way right so let me take this to another place because I want to say this it's not about being colorblind okay right now Mac is colorblind and everybody will say, well, that's beautiful. We should just all be colorblind. No, no, I don't want Mac growing up being colorblind. I want him growing up respecting and honoring and loving culture and differences and 
backgrounds and nationalities and, and Haitian food. And, and you know, I, I, just, I love, you know, that, that, that I, I want, it's not about being colorblind. So there'll be some discipleship that will happen in Mac's life as he gets older. Now, for Auburn, there was some discipleship that took place in her life at about four years old. She's in preschool. Remember that kid I said that took the toy and that's the only thing I can think of? So what happened was, we get ready to go to school one day, and she's fussing. She doesn't want to go to the church. It was a church daycare. She doesn't want to leave with me that morning, and what's wrong? And, and all of a sudden, this blurts out of her mouth. Now, mind you, in that city, again, I was kind of known as the champion for this cross-cultural ministries and stuff in the city. And, and so, <laughs> comes out of my girl's mouth, I don't like black people. Oh, my, are you kidding me? Where did this come from, you know? And so... I, 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 I'm like, I'm freaked out. I'm sick to my stomach almost, literally. And, and so in that moment, listen, it was an opportunity to disciple. Some of you in this room, you've been discipled wrong, okay? And you come by prejudice and a little bit of racism, not because that's where your heart really is. It's because you were discipled wrong. And so in that moment, what happened? What happened? What's going on? And I'm trying to pull from her to understand what's going on. And there was a little black kid at, 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 at daycare that knocked her down. You know, so discipleship could look like this way. Yeah, you got to be careful then. Boom, done. Four-year-old wrecked for the rest of her life when it comes to relationships, right? No, no, no. So in that moment, I got to do some discipleship. You know, I don't want my child ignorant when it comes to racial things. And so I took a green crayon. It was the Holy Spirit that gave me this idea. On the fly, I said, she loves art. That's one of her favorite things at that time. So I grabbed a green crayon from her art supplies, and I said, Auburn, draw me a picture. And I said, I want you to draw me a house. And she drew a house, and it was green. Now I want you to draw clouds. And she drew clouds, and it was green. Now I want you to draw me a sun. And she put a sun up there, and it was green. Now I want you to draw me some grass, and the grass is green. And, draw, and she draws this picture of everything, and she's like, Daddy, that's so ugly. And I'm like, why? Because it's all the same color. Yeah, and that was smarter than Ross Wiseman to come up with that. <laughs> I'll give God credit, but give me a little praise too. Just a little. And so with that, I was able to disciple into her and say, that's why there's so many different colors of people. Because it makes our world beautiful, you know. And, and, and now, Auburn, she's not racist a bit. I don't, th- I don't think. No, no, she's not. She's not racist a bit. She's like, Daddy, I'll date anybody. It don't matter. <laughs> if they're single, I'm... No, I'm teasing. All right. So, <laughs> uh, but it's in our nature to stay in that place of darkness, all right? So, therefore, do not become, it says in verse 7, partners with them, for at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right, and try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. For those in this room that are of Anglo persuasion, try to discern what's pleasing to the Lord. For those of you that are from a different persuasion, understand and try to discern what's pleasing to the Lord in those relationships that you're having. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. That's what we're doing today. For it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret, but when anything is exposed to the light, that's the gospel, it becomes visible for anything that becomes visible is light, and our world has enough darkness. Amen. Therefore, it says, awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. I want Christ to shine on Momentum Church. Amen. Amen. 
So verse 15, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise but as wise, making the best use of time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Don't get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs and singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Watch verse 21, submitting to one another out of reverence for Submission, mutual submission. And in that submission, that mutual submission of getting to understand people of other backgrounds and other cultures, you're going to have some stumbling. It just happens, you know. I was sitting there cooking plantain with Marvin, and I started to mess up his plantain process. Get your hands off my plantain. No, he didn't say that. He was more polite. But no, 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 Pastor, you got to press it twice. You got to, remember that? You got to, and I was like, they look plenty good to eat now. But he was going to smack my hand. And so, you got, so he has a problem, you know. So we're going to mess up. And that's a small thing. But we're going to mess up big too. And so listen, the journey of two on a path is never perfect. But the path will get you there if you just keep walking together. Amen? And so here's the path God gave me to embrace. And we'll go through this real quick. Ephesians chapter 5, go back to verse 1. Watch this. And we'll just put it up on the screen. Therefore be imitators of God as beloved children. And I believe this starts to express how that should look. And walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. We're going to put this up this week somewhere. So not only can you see the podcast, but you can see these four E's, okay? So it's a pathway to embrace diversity. Number one, walk in love. Walk in love. You see that right there? Be imitators of God. Walk in love. And what I want to challenge you to do is walk in love. That's an encounter. Live your life Hearts open to encounter anybody, no matter their background, their color, their social status, it doesn't matter. You just live your life open, wanting to encounter people. There's an openness and a humility that you need, that we need, if we're going to bridge racial things, if we're going to become a more diverse church, an openness and a humility. Pastor Matt Chandler was saying how his one friend asked him, it was a black friend, asked him, man, why is your white worship music so morose? You know? Why is it so morose? It's like that Jesus died, he rose again. There's something to be happy about. It's so morose. And, and Matt said it this way. I thought it was so funny. He's like, what do you mean morose? Our people in there think that this place is getting tore up. There's people in there right now going, it's getting a little crazy in here, you know. <laughs> and so he said his friends started to give him some music. Help, help me, brother, he told his friend. Help me out. And his friends started giving him some, some uh, different music to listen to, you know. And as he starts to listen to the music, he goes, I don't get it. I, it's, you know, whites, we go, one, two, you know, you know, and, and, and blacks, like that. And he said, and he goes, the music just had this little thing that I'm like, I'm trying to get in, he said. I'm, I'm, where do I? Where do I get into this, you know? How do I jump in? And he said, but after a while, I started to have an appreciation for it. And he said, now I love God, the type of music that my friend loves and, and we're sharing. And is it my number one stop? No, but it's something that I embrace and I share with my friend back and forth. But he told his friend, you got to have patience with me. There needs to be openness and humility as you're learning. So that's the first thing is look to encounter people, okay? Number two, it says that Jesus gave himself. That's a purposeful connection. Jesus wanted to connect with us so much, he gave himself. And so with that, that is engagement. There's an engagement that takes place that's very purposeful. Purposeful connection is what I'm talking about. Why? Because that giving, that love that gives, love demands a gift, right? 
It demands a gift. And, and here at the church, you know, I'm going to challenge our worship team to, to add a little flavor, you know, to, to, to make a little bit of an effort. And, and I know what's going to be said. Listen, it's going to be said, but that's not who we are. Right, exactly. But, that, but that's not my flavor. That's not my taste. I, I get that. I get that. But I invite a Jewish friend to come to my house for lunch. And when the Jewish friend comes to my house for lunch, I make him a great sandwich. And I put it on the plate in front of him. And I go, eat it up, brother. And he looks at it and he goes, it's ham. But, but no, you don't understand. It's awesome ham. That's honey baked. That's the best ham ever. This is the sandwich my kids love. This is the sandwich that we've eaten for years. We all love this. You'll love this sandwich too. Just eat it. Is there anything else I can try? No, no, that's it. Just ham. What kind of host would I be? How sincere would be my invitation to the guest to say, come as you are. You belong here. How sincere is that if that's where I draw the line? Nope, nope. Does that make sense? And every analogy breaks down if you think about it too much. I get it. So stop it, okay? All right? <laughs> but there's that purposeful connection, that engaging that takes place. And, and, and that happens, I believe, face-to-face. You know, that happens as you start to know people. And, and, and you may be saying, are you asking me to find a black man and ask him to be my friend? Yes! <laughs> I'm asking you to do that, you know, to begin to understand differences in, in who they are and their walk in faith and maybe their walk in their struggle. I never knew that about Marvin going through that until this past year I started asking him, Marvin, do you ever face prejudice? And as he started telling me stuff, it just was crushing my heart that a friend of mine in this day and age could face some of that stuff. You know? Didn't know that until we started to engage each other. And so, yes, if you're a white person here, look for a Latino, look for an Asian, look for an African American in the church even. You can start right here. And every black person here is going, oh, no. <laughs> All my Hispanic friends here, lo siento. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. you about to have a lot of friends. <laughs> Yeah, you are, you know. <laughs> so, so, yeah, am I asking you to look for somebody of color to, to connect with? Yes. And if you're a person of color here, um, am I asking you to be receptive to that and vice versa? And, and you look for white, for Anglos to connect with? Yes. As we do that, as our numbers grow, it would be wonderful. But right now, there's, there's, I can tell you what there is because I asked Marvin back in January. start to track it for us. And on a given Sunday, out of 400 people, we'll have about 32 people was the average that he came up with of people that are either black, Asian, or Hispanic. So that comes out to 8% minority. And I thought we were doing pretty good because when I moved to Georgia, Woodstock was about 8.5%, 9% minority. You know, but we're not anymore. We just did the recent studies on it, and it's almost 20% minority. So, wow. To be a church that has diversity, the standard of diversity as far as church growth, all that kind of stuff, is about 20% minority. If a church has 20% of the predominant culture that is present, or I'm sorry, 80% of the predominant culture, 20% of other cultures together, that's considered a diverse church, you know. And someone said, well, shouldn't it be 50-50? I don't care what it is. I just know that God wants us to not be passive any longer. And I want to know people and their cultures more. You know, And so there's an engagement that takes place. The next thing we see is this idea of a fragrant offering, something that's a fragrant offering. An offering is mutual sharing. There's a mutual sharing that starts to take place. 
getting to know them, and they get to know you, and your cultures, you start to share things. And, and right now, again, I'm, I'm talking about the civils a lot just because we've got to know them so much the last year. But, but man, my family would have never known the joys of Cafe Bustelo had I not met that family, you know. It's a Cuban coffee, you know. It's there in, in my, based out of Miami, but, but that's something they, they, oh, Jesus is in that coffee. It's so good, you know. And that's just something silly, but, but there's so much more that's happened as that enriching. That's an enriching, a, a mutual enriching that takes place as you start to know each other. It's a mutual sharing that takes place. And then finally, sacrifice, a sacrifice. Jesus literally laid down his whole life. Why? So that we could be entwined with God. That we could be his body. So the last one is to be entwined or entwinement. You can go look up that definition. I chose that word on purpose because it's very, it's not, it's not passive at all. It's very purposeful, that entwining that takes place. And now deep relationship is taking place. Now, I'll tell you this. I'm going to be honest with you. I don't like every white person I know. Especially him. Okay. I think it was Brantley. No, no, I'm just being honest. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying force the friendship. You know, there's people you're going to know and go, yeah, it's just not, it's, you know, it's, I like them. I love them because Jesus says love. I don't feel like going kayaking with them, you know, you know. And, and I'll say that. And you'll be like, like, yeah, okay. My black friends are going, that's great because I'll never go kayaking with you. We don't kayak, you know. No, I'm kidding. But, but no, but it's one of those things where you're going to have relationships where you realize, yeah, this is, this is like a bosom friend, you know. I mean, when it comes to, 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 to Marvin, man, it's like, I don't know how to explain it. There's a, he's a bosom friend. That sounds really, really weird to say that. <laughs> Sorry, my brother. <laughs> but, but some people, you'll be like, it's just, we just don't have the same flavors at all, no matter how, you know. I'm not asking you to for that, you know, but there'll be people that you'll connect with, they'll become like family, there'll be people that your lives will entwine with, and there'll be things in their culture and your culture that will just start to entwine, and when I think of that, I think of my son and Marvin's son, you know, Jeremy and Grant absolutely love hanging out together, and they'll hang out together for a couple days at a time, now it's summer, so they'll be over at their house, or they'll be over at our house for a few days, and, um, and, and, and they're the Gerodactyl and the Grantosaurus, you know, and um, they're rhinoceroses. They are, you know. And um, they're the hippopotamuses. And their rhymes are bottomless. And, and, and they have whatever. So, but they are. They're the gerodactyl. That's kind of their nicknames they came up with. Gerodactyl and the Granosaurus. And, and they'll probably be 25 and I'll still be calling them that. But relationship is intertwining. And, and, and Marvin called me uh, last week. He said, hey, I forgot to tell you I was going to a party and I took your boy there. And it may have been a party that probably wouldn't have been normal for him to go to. I hope that was okay. <laughs> he was with you? Yeah. Yeah, it was okay then. You know, why? Because we're entwined, you know. Yeah, you know. So listen, let me close with this. And I went, I went long, but when I began this message, I said that the church is exactly where we should start this conversation, right? And you've been a joy today to be able to start this conversation with. But as I end, I want to say in living rooms and around dinner tables is where we need to continue this conversation. Right? Face to face, getting to know each other. We need to purpose to go down paths that lead to face-to-face encounters, allowing us to engage with people different than ourselves, be mutually enriched as our lives entwine together in true relationship. Man, I think when that happens, heaven is seen on earth. Amen?
And I believe heaven is going to be seen in this house. And we may not get there in a month, five months, a year, two years. But I believe, just like Mansell First Assembly, our church in Ohio, that we'll become a place where instantly you walk in and you know, I belong. Everybody say it. Say, I belong. It gives me chills. So I want to ask you to go face-to-face and to embrace these four E's of, of, of relationship. And remember that every path has its difficulties, but isn't that what a journey is all about anyhow? Really? You know? And as we stand to our feet, go ahead and stand to your feet. If that's what a journey is about, facing those difficulties but choosing to walk it together, it makes sense for us to be those that will do it with everything we have. Why? Because at Momentum Church, we tell people all the time that we are with you. We're with you on the journey. Amen? So I want to challenge you to do this. When you leave, they'll have these cards at the doors. And all they say on them is, you belong here. That's all they say. We have a promo piece coming out this week. We're going to be push, pushing on Facebook. And, and But there's probably about 10 cards in here. And I want you to invite people to come. And yes, you can invite Anglos to come too. It's okay. Okay? But I want you to feel a confidence to invite anyone. This last week, it's been neat being able to talk to a person of color and say, I want you to come visit the church. Here, here's the service times. Look, you belong here. It said everything. I didn't have to say nothing. It took care of the awkwardness. Because in a moment, I belong there? They say I belong there? Yeah. And it helps so much in that invite, you know? And so I want you to take these cards, please, every one of you get a packet, and invite like crazy, because that's that, 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 that in August, when we start our next series, two weeks from now, man, we want to fill this house with every friend that we can find, no matter what background, color, and so on. Amen? So what I want us to do is reach across and hold hands, and we're going to pray. Jesus, right now, we just come together as a body, and Father God, we ask that you would do a great work in us, that over time as we are purposeful in embracing and loving people, all the people you've created, as we are purposeful in that, God, that you would allow us to look even more like heaven on earth. And that is when others would come in here looking for a place to belong, no matter what background, they would see people and realize this is, this is it's not about this is a place I can belong because it's momentum. Man, I can, I can, I can have a connection with God Almighty. Like Cornelius in the Bible, Jesus, we'll be a part of your hands loving people and being a part of your hands extended to this world. It's a hurting world. And so we ask in our church, in our hearts, in our homes, and then in our city that you would make the difference through us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Fuel for the Journey. For more information, please check out www.momentumchurch.tv.